0: Morning to each of you this morning. I'm John Collier on behalf of the elders. We'd like to welcome you to Preston Crest to our first service. We appreciate you choosing to worship with us today. Visitors, we are especially thankful that you're with us today. We hope that our service will be uplifting and encouraging to you. We would appreciate if you would take one of the uh, cards there in front of you and scan the QR code on there with your uh, information so we'll have a record of your attendance. And if you are a first-time visitor, we have a special gift for you in the, in the lobby. So you could manually fill out that information card. And after services, you can take it back to the information center there in the middle of the lobby. And we have a uh, insulated coffee mug we'd love to give to you. At this time, let's all pray together. Father God, we humbly approach your throne this morning, aware of your power and your love and your grace and your mercy. Father, I thank you for the many blessings that you provide to us every day. Father, I thank you for the gift of of your word, your inspired word, which you have ensured, has endured through the ages for us to have today, to read of your plan of salvation for our lives, which is offered to all of us. Father, help us to be in your word consistently Help us to read of your love for us, your your plan for our lives, and the grace and the mercy that you extend to each of us as we seek to honor you and follow the example of your son, Jesus. Father, I pray for each member of this family here at Preston Crest. For those events being celebrated, Father, we thank you for those happy outcomes. Father, for those in our body that are in poor health, I pray for your intervention, for your healing, and for those struggling with difficult situations, Father, difficult circumstances. I I pray that you will provide an extra measure of strength and comfort and encouragement to those that need that. Father, help us as a congregation to be welcoming, to be seekers of your word, and to pursue opportunities to serve you and to serve those around us. And it's in Jesus' holy name I pray these things, Amen. As we continue into our worship time, let's all read together the praise from David, found in Psalms twenty, verse five. May we shout for joy over your victory, and lift up our banners in the name of our God.
1: Hey, church, we haven't sung this next song in years. So I'm just going to, let's sing this chorus a couple of times, just kind of as a refresher. You came from heaven to earth to
2: show the way from the earth. For you came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my death to pain.
1: From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. I'm going to pitch that up just a, a hair. Make a little easier on everybody. your Lord, I lift your name on high.
2: Let those refuse to sing that never knew our God, but children of the healthy but children.
1: as we enter into our communion this morning we're going to sing another song that has been years since we have sung it and then Jesse Chestnut is going to come and lead us and I love how this next song just takes me to a place and I'm sure if you have been raised singing this song this takes you somewhere in your mind my prayer is that it takes you somewhere with the Lord that you were there with him let's sing I come
2: to the time.
3: church. That's my favorite. Um, When John Scott asked me a few days ago to come and do this, I always get nervous. I think that's a good thing. I think it's a healthy thing because it's the most serious thing I'm probably going to do all week. Um, And I was thinking about Jesus in the garden and how his friends couldn't stay awake for an hour. That sounds like my week. Could stay awake the whole time. Wasn't at the wheel the whole time. But I'm so thankful that for this time together, this this meal that we share in his memory is there's nothing I could do to earn a seat. Thank God. There's nothing I could do. It wasn't about what I said all week, or how good I said it, or performance reviews, or how great a dad I was, or I wasn't. Um, This is a sacrifice that was made and the reward is, is something that, that none of us could even begin to touch. He took the bread, broke it, gave it to His disciples and said, this is my body, broken for you. And in sitting there, his, his best friends couldn't comprehend what the sacrifice would be. His body broken. So think about this. Uh, let's, let's pray that we, we have our mind and our hearts in the right place and we understand what it is we're going into. Lord, we are thankful for all of our blessings, these, these blessings, too many to count. Most of all, your son came here to this earth, lived, lived for us and died for us. Help us, Lord, to understand the sacrifice that was made your only begotten son for us. In his name, amen. And then he took the cup, passed it to his disciples and said, this is my blood poured out for you. We're covered in the same way that the Israelites were saved in Egypt. It, it, It takes innocence, innocent blood shed for us something we cannot earn there's there's no way to achieve it and he has done it it is finished he has done it and for that I'm thankful so thankful pray with me father as we take this cup and we think about the lamb who was slain. Holy, holy, holy is He. Pray, Lord, that we're able to, to think on the sacrifice that was made so that we may live. In Your Son's great, precious name. Amen.
4: good to be reminded of why we're here and who we serve uh, we're glad that you're here this morning if you're visiting with us. If you're a member, we're obviously glad to, to see our family gathered around the table this morning and worshiping together. Good to see your shining face. Uh, I got out checking our YouTube channel this morning. I started interacting with several, a lot of people on there watching the service and stuff. But Haven uh, Lawler, uh, Lolly, sorry, is uh, there traveling and going to be traveling for a while. And she, one of our children here at this church, was texting me on the, on the YouTube chat this morning. And it's good to know that they're with us in Niagara Falls today. And uh, it's also good just to know that our kids feel so connected to this church that even when they're away, they're they're worshiping with us. I thought that was really cool. If you want to give this morning, you can do that either online or in the box out in the foyer. And we so appreciate your generosity. One of the One of the family of ministries that your gifts go to support is the children's ministries of this church, and they are many, and we resource them well, I think, uh, with money and and stuff, but mostly in terms of the the talents and time of our staff and our volunteers here, we are so grateful. And you're going to get a glimpse into one of the places that you would rarely get a glimpse as an adult, and I'll just leave the teaser there. We're going to see a video in a moment with a very special host. Um... And uh, so we'll, we'll let you enjoy that in a moment. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for your presence here. We are so grateful to see our sisters and brothers here this morning and to just spend time together with you, Father. I pray, God, your special blessing on the children of this church, really the future of this church. We are so grateful for them and for the way they show us so much what It looks like to have a a pure and sincere faith in you. I pray that you will bless them, bless those in our team that minister to them, and bless God, just continue to prosper the children's ministries of this church. We are grateful for our kids and for the fact that you call us your children through Jesus Christ. We praise your name today in Jesus. Amen
2: ever wondered where all the kids go when they're dismissed for Children's Church? Follow me and I'll show you. Preschool kids like my little brother go to the backyard where they have activities set up on blankets. The kids get to do all the activities and then they get to sing songs and hear a Bible story. Big kids like me get to go to the clubhouse which is upstairs. When we get up there, there we sing and pray and hear a Bible story. After that we get to sit at one of those cool tables and do a fun activity. Thank you, Preston Crest, for supporting Children's Church. I love hanging out there with my friends and, and hearing God's Word.
1: I know you all have wondered what in the world goes on up in Children's Church. Well, now you know. Kaylee, are you here this morning? Wave at me if she's here at first service. Where are the Vasalis? They're early service folks. Second service? Okay. I'll call her out and scare her to death at second service. All right. Woo! All right. Hey, let's, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. I do need to mention golf tournament. Real quick, uh, sign-ups are happening for the golf tournament. Please, if you're interested in that, hey, take your camera out right now and shoot that QR code, and you can start the registration process today and, uh, and get that handled. It is co-ed, girls and guys. Equal Opportunity Golf Tournament coming up at the end of October. Please, uh, please make note of that and, and join us out there playing golf. It's going to be great. All right, let's sing. Bless the Lord oh
2: my soul.
4: So you really think you're going to scare Kaylee Vasali? How well do you know Kaylee Vasali is my question. Okay, because she takes after her mama and I don't think anything scares her. So just put that out there. Uh, yeah. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention is safe conversations. If you've been around for a long time, that's it's, we've been doing it a long time and it is a place to learn how to do relationships. Well, learn how to have better conversations. Uh, it's for married people. It's for non-married people. It's for all people that want to improve. Uh, Jan, I think you've been there and done that before. A lot of us have done this workshop before and it is extremely helpful. It is next Saturday. It is free for Preston Crest members. You can find out more in the bulletin today or on the website, and I just know that two of the people I trust most when it comes to to advice on relationships are Harold Duncan, Ph.D., and Gary Cohorn, who's a licensed practical counselor, and both of them not only think highly of it, uh, but so highly they have devoted much of their time to serving in safe conversations, so I hope you can be a part of that uh, if that is interesting to you next, this coming Saturday. Let's jump right into the middle of the Sermon on the Mount today, Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. Jesus said this, he said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal." No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So, this is, I don't know how many weeks, I think it's week 12, 13 in our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, listening to Jesus talk to us about living our best lives. And he goes inside out. He goes to our values, to our core, to our priorities, the things that matter most to us. And he speaks to those, how those can be lined up with our creator to live our best lives, and then how that manifests itself in our relationships, in the way we speak, in the way we treat others, in the way we spend money and behave ourselves. It's It's this comprehensive look at life in the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus always seems, if you've been tracking with him, always seems to be getting back to the heart. Everything goes back to your heart. It's where all the other things are generated, right? From this core of who you are. And today, when it comes to our wallets, our savings accounts, our investment portfolios, today will be no exception. Uh, So Jesus is speaking about money. He's speaking about our relationship to money, and he is speaking about our use of money. Um, you know, for a guy, <laughs> I was just reading this this week, I'm thinking, for a guy who had nothing in terms of material possessions, he, he said he didn't have a pillow to lay his head on didn't have a fixed address, didn't pay a mortgage, didn't have a bank account. For a guy who had practically nothing, Jesus had a whole lot to say about people and money. In fact, he had more to say about money than he did about love, than he did about prayer, than he did about faith in the New Testament. Um, I'm not sure how you would feel. To be honest, at Preston Crest, if I were to decide from this point forward, I am going to speak about money as often as Jesus spoke about money. Like roughly half of his parables had to do with a person and their possessions. Right? I think one out of every six verses in Matthew, Mark, and Luke had to do with people and money. So he talked about it a lot. So why did this fellow that didn't worry about money, that didn't have a lot of money to worry about. Why was he always talking to people about money? You know. He knows us. He knows you. He gets people. That's why he was talking about money. He saw the power that money held over People And so he talked about money a lot, not because he was obsessed with it, but he knew how easily we become obsessed with it. Bill Boatnight wrote this. Money is morally neutral. It can do great harm, or I mean great good or terrible harm, depending on who is in control of it. But money is dangerous. It is the most seductive false god on earth. And more Americans go to hell because of love of money than for all sins put together. I don't know what you think about that. It's a strong statement. It does seem to track with what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6 and other places. It is a strong statement. It does seem to track with what the apostle Paul told his protégé Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10. Paul said, "For the love of money, think about that. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves." With many sorrows. I bet you know some people who've wandered from the faith because of their love for money. I bet you know some people who've had their life pierced through with trouble and sorrow because of their pursuit of money. At the heart of a whole spectrum of evil, according to Paul, it is this love. This love of money that has caused people to wander and caused people to worry and struggle. Now, much of what Jesus had to say about our possessions and our relationship to them in Matthew chapter 6 is pretty straightforward. But there is this bit in the sandwich of the text that we read this morning, right in the middle, that is not quite so straightforward. So let's get that uh, out of the way to start with. What does that mean, this, this talk about the eye, a healthy eye or a good eye versus a bad eye? You know, body full of light, body full of... Nar- what does all that mean? How does that relate to money? It's really an idiomatic expression in Hebrew. Uh, this uh, word tov ayin or words, tov ayin, good eye, idiomatic for generosity, open-handedness. And so Jesus says the person who is generous, the person who is open-headed, their life is flooded with light. And then he says the other one who has ayin ra has a bad eye, an eye that is unhealthy, that's greedy, that's stingy. That's what this idiom means. Their life will be covered in darkness, okay? So it's tricky. But a generous person, I mean, if you don't know the Hebrew, and I'll be honest, I don't know the Hebrew, but I know people who know the Hebrew, all right? It's tricky. But there it is. It's about money as well. It's about greed. It's about generosity. So, look, um, right off the top, Jesus says, getting into that text there, there are two big categories of investments. Like your investments are going to line up in either category A or category B. You can invest in this life, right or you can invest in your eternal life you can invest in worldly things or heavenly things and he says you need to make sure that you have money that is invested in the kingdom of heaven why because there moth and rust can't destroy it thieves can't get at it stock market downturns can't get at it it is safe What you invest in the kingdom of heaven is safe. It is a solid investment. We all know the things we put our money in here, eh, not so safe. I'd say this, man. It is just one of the joys of being part of this congregation, of getting to work with you guys, is this church, Preston Crest, has a legacy, and I mean since the beginning 50 years ago, a legacy of generosity. There are, sister, there are good-eyed sister and brothers here at Preston Crest who have left this legacy of tangible, sacrificial giving because they believe in the kingdom of heaven. They believe in what God is doing through the church of Christ here on Preston Road in Dallas, Texas. And I am so grateful to be around people like that. And by the way, spoiler alert, this is not just wealthy people. This church has a history of generosity across the board. Those who have much in terms of worldly possessions, those who don't, just generosity across the board. And it is great to be part of this culture of generous Christians of generous disciples at Preston Crest. But I will say this, we get a warning label from Jesus in this passage. And if you'll take it, I think it's pretty helpful. Um, and it helps us do this. It helps us calibrate our saving, our spending, our giving. And the warning is about Balance. It is about not getting out of balance and having all of your concerns and your investments and your expenditures related to your kingdom, to the here and now, to what you've got going on, to make sure that God occupies a primary space in your financial reality. Make sure that you're generous with the things Of God. And Jesus also calls out, as you heard, how risky uses of money are that are devoted to earthly pursuits. Like there's just a lot of volatility. And you know that I'm sure right now, a lot of fluctuations, inflation and downturns and all this stuff. And so Jesus doesn't just, uh, let's be clear here. This isn't Jesus just offering a little handy advice to his disciples. Hey, here's a tip for your money. This is a command, Right? This is Jesus giving a command to his disciples. You are to be generous with my kingdom. You are to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not just here. Not just here in this world. So I've got a point there. Uh, When it comes to our money, we need to make sure we store up treasures in heaven. Actually, that's not my point. That's his point. Uh, He who has ears to hear, hear that. Take that to heart, will you? Uh, Store up treasures in heaven. Now he does this MRI. He's so wise and he sees us. And he does this kind of MRI of the heart. And he points out that money follows mission. Or you could even say, mission follows money. The thing is, they are so intertwined. Where you find someone's money, look at where they're spending. Look at where they're giving. Look at where they're investing. You will quickly see where their heart is, where their priorities are, where their goals are. Money follows mission. Mission follows money. They go together. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Right? So there's this kind of airtight link between your heart and your wallet, right? So people plan and strategize over investments, follow their investments every day, maybe multiple times a day, checking on those investments, fret over those, worry about losing value. And their connection, our connection to our investments can be pretty intense. Um, you see, treasure and heart, they have a close relationship. And Jesus calls this out. Our emotional core Our deepest self can develop a very close relationship to money. Money follows mission. If your life mission is to get rich then we will be able to see how you invest and how you spend and how you give or don't give reflect that mission of hoarding for yourself. If your life mission is to get an Ivy League education for your children, uh, pretty good guess. I'm going to be able to look at your expenditures and see that is going to track too. Even before they get off to Dartmouth or somewhere, you have been investing in everything you can to make sure that they can get in. And then you're going to invest more once they do get in. If your mission is to travel the world, let me see your credit card bill. We will see that reflected on your credit card bill. If your mission mission is to bless the kingdom of God, mm, we'll see that. We'll see that in how you give to the Lord's church. We'll see that in how you help people out in the community. You may not, look, you may not always... Put your money where your mouth is. Jesus says, You will always put your money where your heart is. Verse 21. The next thing he says, and he is just going through looking at our hearts, looking at us, seeing what we need to hear, not always maybe what we want to hear, but the next thing he shows us is that money makes a lousy master. Money makes a lousy master. Verse 24. Um, We've already heard the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So not money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is good when it's in its place. Money is good when it is a a servant of good things, better yet, God things. Um, When everything else in our life is ordered under the master, Jesus then money is one of many servants in our lives. It serves the church. It serves the kingdom. It serves the purposes of Jesus. Uh, The love of money, though, (coughs) that's problematic. Someone has come to love it. And it can become a master. Old Testament language, you might say it becomes a false god. Or it becomes an idol. Uh, Matthew Kim wrote these words, he said, and I think he gets to the heart of a lot of us, he said, many Christians can't imagine giving away their wealth because having less diminishes their earthly sense of identity and worth. Money is a safety net that replaces ultimate trust in God's sovereignty and provision So when money becomes master, it supplants Jesus as our Savior. When money is master, we begin to determine how we feel about ourselves, how we determine our own self-worth based on how we're doing with money. When money is master, we have a a sense of security that is very much tied to our financial situation. Um, Now, when God is master, it's very different. When God is your master, your worth comes from where? It comes from Him. It comes from Him. When God is your master, you realize He made you in His image You were born with worth. He sent his son to redeem you at great cost. That has something to do with your worth to God. So we have this worth because he calls us his own, not because of what we own. Make sense? So whatever your net worth, you have real worth as a child of God, if God is your master. Now what happens I love this last part. So he gets into, Jesus knows how we work. He's like, okay. He said, I know you guys. You're going to try to do both. He said, you're going to, oh, yeah, yeah. God is my master. I love God above all else. But I'm going to go ahead and have a, have a code share of my life up here. I'm going to serve God and money. And Jesus says, that's not going to work. It's been tried for thousands of years. It doesn't work. You end up loving one and hating the other. Right, we're loving this one and hating the other. That's what happens. You get a spiritual tug of war inside your core, inside your heart. You have a tug of war between God and money. And it will rend your soul apart. It is not a recipe for living your best life. Let me point out something about these two masters, especially God. God is, in the Old Testament, one of the names he's given is El Olam. God eternal. Or everlasting God. He's not going anywhere. His worth is not going to diminish. He was, he is, he is to come. And if your worth Comes from your relationship to El Olam, to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. Your worth is not going anywhere. It will not diminish. Now, in 30 years, not very much time in God everlasting time, but it is a lot of time down here. In 30 years, God is still going to be God, but that prized possession. That sweet friend of yours, your smartphone. It's going to be at the bottom of a landfill in 30 years. You're not going to be pulling that thing out to check the weather, trust me. Um, in 30 years, God will still be God. The camo print yoga pants are going to be out of style, okay? You're not wearing those to the gym in 30 years. Things become obsolete, or things wear out, or rust out. I think I was thinking this week, the first, I don't know if you can remember, the first time you saw a cell phone, I remember the first time I ever saw a cell phone. <coughs> My friend Ron had this cell phone. They were called bag phones. Do you guys remember bag phones back in the day? Like first generation cell phone, I thought it was awesome. But when we got out of a car, he had like this, this, or like this this large case, and he had this heavy object, the cell phone, in the case. And I think that thing had a battery life of maybe two hours or something. It was awesome. It was 1994 cutting-edge technology. Now, maybe you could use it as a a boat anchor or or maybe a paperweight or something. It, It has no real value anymore. Now, people have been bowing down to stuff for a long, long time. Like 25 centuries ago, God talked to his people and he said in Deuteronomy chapter 4, you're going to serve gods of wood and stone. Perhaps today he'd say silicone and circuitry. You're going to serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands, They neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God. And you will find him if you search after him with all of your heart and all of your soul. Kind of a bad news, good news situation. He said, Israel, I love you guys. But you're going to find yourself bowing down to some man-made stuff. You're going to love it so much. It's going to fail you though. And you're going to come running back to me. And God says, I'll be waiting for you the god of money the god of wealth unfeeling uncaring unseeing unable to save ultimately unworthy of your trust unworthy of your worship second corinthians 4:18 listen to what paul had to say about things here and things in heaven he said We, he's talking to disciples, members of the church there in Corinth. He said, We look not to things that are seen, not to the tangible things around us, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. They last, they don't lose value, they hold up. So we lean into the things of God. We as disciples of Christ, we do not look for meaning or worth in expiration date things of this world. Amen? Now check this out though. (laughs) Jesus, look, he never said money is evil. We're talking about the love of money being evil. The love of money is the root of all of these problems. So here's the deal. You can either master your money or your money will master you that's how it works you either master your money or your money masters you get a hold of your money or your money's going to get a hold of you you get it now money is great i find it very handy for paying bills. I do. It works great at taking care of my debt with T-Mobile each month. Uh, it's great for helping a neighbor in need. It's great at the grocery store. Um, not great as the one I serve. Not great at all in that role. Now, it is not possible. Listen closely here. It is not. Po- it is not impossible. Let me say this. Not impossible to have money And love God. That is not an impossibility. But Jesus does say it is impossible to love money and love God at the same time. No one has successfully pulled that. A couple of weeks ago, Isla and I were traveling. We were not in Florida. But we're having breakfast. Isla and I are having breakfast. And I get a ping on my cell phone. It is from our credit card company. And I look over at Ila and I said, hey, babe, did you just, did you just spend $6,400 in Miami, Florida? <laughs> she said, why, no, I didn't. And I'm grateful for technology most of the time. And I'm grateful that my credit card company sends fraud alerts uh, I'm very grateful of it. That's probably not the last fraud alert I will ever get, but I am grateful for that. I think in this text we have a bit of a fraud alert from Jesus when it comes to us and our money. If you're trying to love both, that is not authentic. That is a counterfeit Christianity. If you're trying to serve money and serve the master Jesus, that will not work. Uh, Now, a helpful tip by the way, I'm not going to talk much about this. I, was, I had a bunch of stuff in my notes. I'm not going to share all of that. You're welcome. But I did want to say this. Tithing is a concrete, practical habit that Christians can install into their lives that helps them keep God first, that helps them keep God as master and not money as master. Tithing just means giving 10% right off the top. For some, it means more than that, but at least 10%. And that represents another zero. That 10% represents that 100% of what you have is God's. And so you give 10% to the local church and you acknowledge your kingdom is the priority in my life life. Um, Tithing, okay, it was codified in the law of Moses. You go, is that from the law? Yeah, it is from the law, but it predates the law of Moses. It predates written scriptures by hundreds of years. Abraham tithed to the high priest or to the priest Melchizedek his grandson, Jacob, tied. This is all before Moses, all before the law came into being. So it's been around as a, as a spiritual and financial principle for a long, long time, well before it was ever some sort of obligation. So it's not an obligation It is a good spiritual principle to put into practice in your life. And many of you tithe and you do it not because it's an obligation. You do it because uh, you've chosen to put God first. You've chosen to install this biblical principle into a very real day-to-day reality, your finances. And you've done that as a way to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Some of you tithe with your time. Some of you, I know, in this church tithe with your talents, with your services, with your business, and thank you for that. <laughs> Praise God for that. Bottom line this morning, we get uncomfortable, I think, sometimes when we talk about money. It's like it makes us squirm a little bit. Jesus loves us. And Jesus talks about these things because he loves us. He knows that we need to be free Free from false gods who demand much and deliver little. Jesus wants us to be free to love people and use things instead of loving things and using people. Jesus wants to be free to be our best selves, to be the people God has called us to be. Maybe this morning you're ready to give your life to Jesus. Surrender your life to the Lord of lords, the King of kings. You can do that. Confessing your sin, repenting, turning your life over to God and saying, Jesus, you're now my Lord. You can be baptized into Jesus this morning for the forgiveness of your sins. Receive the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit this morning. Maybe you just need the prayers of this church. We're available for that this morning. Uh, Maybe you want to know more about membership at Preston Crest. Whatever you need, come forward or respond right there as we worship God together. In Christ alone,
2: my hope is found. of God in helpless faith this year.
0: to be able to work through each of these lessons of Jesus found in the Sermon on the Mount. Gordon, thank you for studying the Sermon on the Mount with us. Visitors, again, we are thankful that you're with us today. If you're interested in placing membership, we would love to have you join our body believers here at Preston Crest. On the back page of the bulletin, there are five easy ways you can place membership uh, and join us here at Preston Crest. I'd like to remind you we are calling out new deacons, and those nominations are due by next Sunday, October 2nd. October seems so far away, but it's almost here. Forms are found at the Information Center in the lobby or uh, QR codes in the bulletin, if you prefer electronically. Remember our worship time tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll continue our study from 1 Peter entitled Living Hope. And for those of you that have RSVP'd for the new members' dinner tonight following services, remember to join us tonight in the Fellowship Hall where we'll have a great informal time just to visit together. I'm going to close our service this morning by reading, emphasizing a passage that we studied this morning in the lesson, Matthew 6, verses 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And the church said...